No. She pulled Skittles against her legs and made him sit, while Lucky hung his head, long, flat brown ears trailing on the ground. They're so jumpy today, observed Emily. They know something's up, said Sharon. The conversation returned to George. Before he quit teaching, George had taught freshman English to Naomi's son, Matthew, at the high school. Impatient, sardonic, unexpectedly emotional. That was George's classroom reputation. Lobbed chalk at his students when they fell asleep, but wept while reading aloud from Of Mice and Men. Naomi herself found George complicated. A good enough guy, but also arrogant. She had read parts of his novel on the Amazon website, a mystical Jewish baseball novel, Talmudic references mixed with meditations on the aerodynamics of the knuckleball. Wow, said Sharon. George and his wife had recently separated. Last week, Naomi had spotted him in Starbucks with a blonde in biking shorts and a white spandex top with no bra. But she suggested now that they propose George's novel to their book club. In light of what had just happened, it would be a nice thing to do. She'd mentioned this idea last night on the phone to Margaret, who agreed. A figure had appeared near the community gardens while they were talking, a short, wide figure, a black woman accompanied by an old yellow lab on a leash. Instead of the shorts, T-shirts, and sneakers favored by most dog walkers in the park, the woman wore a striped caftan, white and green, and shot through with a glittering metallic thread a dress that seemed out of season despite the warm sun. Even more noticeably, she wore a red turban. Who is that? Emily planed a hand over her eyes. She looks like a fortune teller, said Naomi. I think she's wearing heels. The woman in the turban moved closer to the community gardens, unattended this morning. She appeared to be examining a patch of steak cherry tomatoes bordered by orange marigolds. They watched as she bent down and murmured something to her dog, her hand a dark starfish on its yellow head. The dog wagged its tail. Anyway, Emily lowered her voice. What else did George say? That was it. He was shocked. What a shock for Margaret, too. Sharon extracted three liver treats from a pocket of her cargo shorts. Sit, she told the dogs, then fed each one a treat. Where is Margaret, anyway? I haven't seen her here much lately. Naomi slowly shook her head. What is it? said Sharon. She's not sick. No. Husband? asked Emily. I haven't said anything, said Naomi. Midlife crisis. God, the world's a hard place. Does she work? Naomi shook her head again. Poor Margaret, said Sharon. They're in counseling, so here's hoping. Naomi lowered her voice. But she says she can't eat, can't sleep. I saw her last week at a soccer game and she looked like a ghost. Emily said a ghost was exactly what she'd call a middle-aged divorced woman with no job. Especially, she added, in this economy. Emily's husband was an economist. She herself was a professor of Russian studies. The other women sometimes called her the pessimist. Well, she's not divorced, 
said Sharon, who was a social worker. Out in the meadow, the grass shuddered in a sudden breeze. The woman in the turban was walking slowly around the perimeter of the community garden's chicken wire fence. She stooped to examine a row of club-sized zucchinis and then moved on to a pumpkin patch, the yellow dog lumbering beside her. I know I shouldn't hold it against George, Sharon said, returning to their earlier subject, but I really think he should have walked that dog himself instead of hiring Wayne. It was an accident, said Naomi. But if someone did it on purpose, who would do such a thing? A monster, said Emily. The dogs began barking at a squirrel in the tree. Out in the soccer field, the woman's striped caftan rippled as she wandered toward the blazing stand of aluminum bleachers and then slowly passed out of sight.